Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name's Ken Grandpierre, and it's pretty crazy, but a friend of mine made a movie, and it's pretty fucking great. Patrick Willems is a New York-based filmmaker who's made a name for himself on YouTube. Over the years, Patrick has created these quirky yet wildly informative video essays that break down why we love films like Paddington, Little Women, John Wick, and to be honest, pretty much any film you can think of. But what's made his videos stand out is his eclectic cast of real-life friends and family, all of whom have not just great personalities, but also great chemistry on screen. This ultimately came to a head recently in the form of Patrick's directorial debut, Night of the Coconut. The best way to describe the plot would be to highlight the IMDb description, which reads, a movie about friendship, parallel universes, the internet, and a genocidal coconut. Confused? Don't worry, that's what this chat is for. Night of the Coconut is a wacky movie that somehow feels heartfelt without feeling corny, while also feeling thrilling, surprising, and simply badass. A few weeks back, I went to the screening of the film at the IFC Center in Manhattan. It's a night I'm going to remember fondly due to how energetic the crowd was and how engaging the movie was as a whole. Night of the Coconut is littered with Easter eggs for fans of Patrick's channel, but also serves as a great introduction to the world of Patrick Willems, which is what today's podcast is all about. I catch up with Patrick to discuss the making of the film, along with the overall messages behind the story. We also talk in depth about how crucial friendship is when you're pursuing a passion, and why you can never lose sight of that. Patrick is one of my favorite people to talk to, and it really is a joy and a privilege to be bringing you this next summer bonus episode. Before we start, you should know that you can stream Night of the Coconut right now over at Nebula, a streaming platform that was created and is owned by creators, and offers high-quality videos, podcasts, and classes. With Nebula, these creators are able to share the purest forms of their projects, and yes, you can stream Nebula via iPhone, Android, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, and the Fire TV app. And even sweeter is that you'll save a few bucks if you sign up using the link in the description of this episode. This is The New Exchange with Patrick Willems. Enjoy. Patrick, it is really good to see you. You too. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, anytime. Um, Firstly, I have to thank you for the recent screening that you did at the IFC Center for your film, and I'm going to ask you more about this later, but um, I wanted to kick things off by asking something that I tend to ask musicians, so this is actually kind of funny. It's always in the context of concerts, usually, so yeah, what was the day like for you after the screening? Well, I... Okay, so the day after the, day after the premiere... A thing that, I mean, th- this wasn't a mistake on my end or, or on, on my part or anything, but I had, despite having, like, it, it wasn't a situation where we had the movie premiere and then I just kicked back and chilled out and relaxed for the rest of the week. I had a bunch of, like, other podcast appearances to do, and so basically I got, I think, about th- three and a half hours of sleep that night after the premiere, then I had to get up to go record an episode of the podcast Blank Check that I was appearing on. And so if you listen to that episode, uh, my voice sounds about an octave lower than it usually does. 
because of just like lack of sleep, talking too much, like karaoke at the after party and stuff like that. And uh, and so yeah, then I got back from that and then just took a nap. Because uh, also my my mom and my sister had come down for the premiere and they stayed with me uh, at my apartment. I kept telling my mom like, I, we can get you a hotel or something. She's like, no, I I want to stay with you. And so. I had to, like, say goodbye to my mom and my sister and run off to this podcast, come back, take a nap, start catching up on sleep and trying to feel like a human being again. And so uh, it, was a, it was a bit all over the place. There, there was so much going on that there wasn't a lot of time to just, like, sit there and, like, you know, process everything that had happened the night before and, 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 and to dwell on it. And, uh, yeah, it, there was, it, was a, it was a very busy week. Yeah, I, I always like asking that in the context of events, because I feel like there's always a kind of interesting contrast. Like I remember a couple years ago, I read an interview, an old interview with uh, Kings of Leon, and it was after they had played uh, Madison Square Garden for the first time. And I remember the bassist said something on the lines of like, doing something like that felt so out of the realm of like, everyday life to them up to that point, that the following morning, I, I don't remember where it was, but he went somewhere in rural New Jersey to go fishing because he needed his brain to reset. And I, I feel like that's almost you in that nap. Yeah, I, exactly. I mean, like, I would have, in an ideal situation, I would have, you know, slept in the following day, not set an alarm or anything, and just, you know, kind of like w- woken up and like just like laid there in bed and just thought about like oh wow that last night was 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 so was so cool and so crazy uh and instead i was like dragging myself out of bed after like you know like not even half a full night's sleep and and chugging coffee me like oh i I gotta collect my thoughts to go talk about movies on a podcast and 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 hope i sound coherent and so so yeah i it was i i don't know for the next premiere i'll 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 strategize so I can, like, take a couple days off afterwards. Well, I feel lucky that I caught you uh, weeks after the fact. Like, nice strategy on my part. Unintentional strategy, my dad. Yeah, I, uh, I de- if nothing else, I sound better than I did that week. <laughs> well, I feel very lucky for that. Um, there will be an intro to this naturally, but for the uninitiated, could you give a short breakdown as to how this movie came to be in terms of how you shifted your approach towards your videos during the pandemic? Yes. That question could have an hour-long answer, and so I'm going to do my best to give the short (laughs) version. So how I ended up here is basically, for a long time, for for a couple years, I start... So, okay, let's back up even more. So for the for people who have no idea who I am, uh, I my my primary day job is I, I I make video essays analyzing movies on the internet, and uh and back in I think 2017 it's at, at some maybe 2018 actually I started uh because before that I I'd been doing all just like narrative filmmaking and you know narrative filmmaking uh is like the thing that I'm like like most passionate about that's my the thing I love the most and so I started adding these narrative elements to the video essays, like framing devices, creating like a narrative context for each one to set up why I'm going to uh, talk about whatever the topic is, where I'm like a, a, 
I am I myself am basically a character. I'm the host, but a character in the show, like you know, playing a lightly fictionalized version of myself. And uh, and my my team and I, who helps me with the videos, we would we would have fun with these and you know try you know weird different things with the uh, the narrative elements uh, just to you know keep it keep it fresh and exciting. And uh, and then going into 2020, I had this idea of what if. For the narrative parts of the videos, what if for the next year we decided to treat it like a season of television and for the entire year do a serialized arc, like a storyline that runs through all of the videos, just as like like a storytelling experiment, just an exciting new challenge to try. And, uh, and then the plan was always like, oh yeah, and then at the end we'll have a season finale and, uh, and it'll be like... I don't know, like a 25-minute short film that will just wrap everything up. And, you know, we, we, we launched into it. We had a plan from the, ver- from the very beginning of 2020. And, you know, the, the pandemic uh, adjusted plans uh, to an extent. Um, but we still, despite the various obstacles that, the, you know, real life and the world threw at us, we still generally stuck to the plan that that we made at the beginning and uh and w- we were very lucky i would say in that the audience who could have just flatly rejected this weird storyline uh that we jumped into actually got into it like like people and, and, and not everybody but like the majority of people really enjoyed it and uh and 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 were invested and so and so, yeah, and, and, like, cared enough to, like, really, like, justify us putting a lot of effort into the finale. Because, like, okay, we've got to wrap this thing up and, like, people, people care about it. We, we need to deliver. You know, real, as, as, we're, as we start working on the season finale, we're just realizing how much stuff we have to pay off and how much it has to accomplish narratively. And it just kind of kept expanding and expanding. Because, like, I, we always knew where it had to end up. We knew what the ending was going to be. And so we're just like, oh my God, if to earn this ending, it kind of like, we need more time. We need flesh out the characters more. We just need to build everything up more. And it went from what was supposed to be a like 25 to 30 minute short film and ended up being a 90 minute feature film. And uh, which was, you know, this was never supposed to be my... De- debut feature. Uh, this was supposed to be a project that would take a couple months, just like a fun wrap-up to this project, and I'd move on with my life. Yeah, this was supposed to be out in, like, July 2021, and instead it took an entire year of my life to make a movie. And, uh, but look, we did it. It's finished. It's out there in the world. And I, it, that's, it's, a, it's a weird thing that I think about all the time. I, I can't believe that it ended up this way, but uh, I, have, I have no regrets. You, you did a beautiful job condensing that. Um, I would like to add that as someone who knows you, and I'm sure you've been said, told this before, but nobody who knows you is surprised that it turned into a 90-minute film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Any time I told people, uh, you know, especially like people involved in it, that I was like, oh, guys, it's a, uh, yeah, it's turned into a feature film. Everyone was just said, oh, I, yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Every time you try to do a project, it ends up being like twice as long and complicated as you think it's going to be. So if anything, I, I really need to, I, I guess, like, like learn some lessons about myself and uh, and be a bit more realistic when I'm 
at least w when predicting the scale of projects, like uh, don't don't tell don't think it's gonna be it's gonna be like short when it's 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 always gonna like I'm not good at making my life easy. I I <laughs> I, I I really I I have some impulse to just make things harder than they need to be. Yeah, but it's reflective in the work in a good way. And we're actually going to delve into exactly this a bit later on. But before we do, um, you mentioned this at the screening. I'd love to highlight this some more. But most of the cast of this film are people who have been your friends for years. And I mean, that's really special. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing that I think pretty uncommon. I, this, is a, this is a very strange look as I said, this was not supposed to be my debut feature film. Uh, and this is a very strange debut feature film because it's a movie. The whole, the majority of the cast, uh, is myself and my friends and family all playing fictionalized versions of themselves. Sometimes in some cases playing multiple fictionalized versions of themselves because, uh, it involves a multiverse and, alternate versions of people from parallel universes. And so, yeah, and it also requires watching, like, you know, a year and a half's worth of, of YouTube videos to understand it. Like, it requires more homework going in than, like, like a new Marvel movie. So, yeah, it, it, it is a, a strange thing uh, to, to explain to people, but it's also, we kind of ended up in this situation because... In high school, when I started making movies, and uh, surprisingly, back then, in like the mid two thousands, there were very few people in my high school making movies, and so I, I kind of like pretty quickly, I kind of developed like a, I, I guess, a reputation, or I became known as like the guy who makes movies, and a lot of people wanted to be in the movies, and I, I ended up building kind of like this, like this, this network or, or like group of just really talented collaborators who you know uh became really good friends and i just we just kept working together we made tons of movies in in high school we made uh, actually I, I we did make multiple feature-length films in high school that i'm kind of not counting uh even though i i'm, I'm like uh I, I learned a lot through those experiences and I, and I am proud of them but we'd come home from college in the summers we just get together and make movies again uh and then after college uh when i started the youtube channel they they would uh work with me on that they would act in in all the videos and you know over over the years they had plenty of opportunities to just ditch this dumb enterprise that i was doing and like go do better things with their lives or or you know use their talents elsewhere and yet they I'm I'm constantly amazed and extremely grateful that they kept working with me, especially over all the years when the channel had a very small audience and made no money, uh, and so no one was getting paid. And uh, and yeah, and and then still to this day, it, it feels at least to me, it, it's it really means a lot that finally we got this opportunity to make this project with. A, a very small budget, but like an actual little bit of a budget, and which we have not had in the past, and uh, and a platform to actually like put a movie to like have a movie premiere and 
like, you know, get it out there and, like, have, like, you know, lots of people actually watching it and enjoying it. And it's these same people that I've been working with since, some of them since 2004, uh, is when I think I, that's when I first met uh, Matt Torpy and Chloe Holgate, who were, like, the two lead actors uh, in this movie. And so this really does feel like a really, at least for me, like, a really nice payoff, like, and, like, really kind of validating, like, look, it took a while, but we fight... <laughs> We we kind of finally got there. Like th- this is a payoff to like the the last like fifteen, sixteen, seventeen years of working together. And uh, and I love working with these people. And um, and I really hope that we can keep doing it. I would love it if uh, because I know these are like like the people that I work with. Most of them don't do this professionally outside of working with me. And so I you know it, so. A kind of personal goal is like I would love it if if they ended up getting hired to do this to do it like or like write or act or perform, uh, you know, in in other projects. As much as I still want to hold on to them, I'm like, no, the, the, these guys are good, and and they deserve to have other people recognize that as well. Yeah, I have to say, as like someone who you know watched the film, like that was something that struck me um, throughout the runtime in a very like pronounced way where i mean we've had conversations before and i think it's kind of uh, common where when you're a creative person you just kind of innately go into things where you're dissecting them in real time and i was doing that as i was watching the film but in this context i was struck by like how knowing this beforehand about how they were like larger your friends who had worked with you from years and seeing how they were like conveying themselves on screen and acting like you could tell that there's like this um trust and there's like this uh like harmony amongst each all of you cuz you're so comfortable with each other but they all committed so well like they really did in terms of their roles and what their roles required like even they're playing exaggerated versions of themselves they all felt like they were playing characters and that was really something else to see yeah that that's really good to hear cuz you know there, there was kind of the process when even though, you know, we're, we're casting people as themselves because we're, we're building off of the, the framework that we, that we originally had in just the YouTube videos, which is where it's like, okay, well, it's the Patrick Willems channel and I'm the host and I play myself. And then, you know, if we're going to add a little narrative element, maybe like my roommate shows up and uh, or like some of my friends or like my parents show up and it's just, and then suddenly... You know, we just keep building on that, and we end up in this situation where where we're making, like, a feature-length movie, and it's like, well, you know, th- th- this is the opportunity we were given to make a movie that spins out of these videos that are just on the channel where I am myself hosting video essays. And so there was kind of, like, I definitely, like, way back, especially when we were doing the season, you know, I I made sure that we put some thought into, okay, I know we know all these people and who they are in real life. Uh, and so we know all about them. But for the audience, we, d- we still have to, like, build them up as characters. We have to give them character traits and develop them and can't just assume, like, oh, well, you know, we know Matt and, so ev- and, and, and know all about Matt and why he's a good guy, and so everyone else will just naturally, you know, understand. It's like, like no, we still basically have to, to look at these... Uh, at, at these friends of ours and kind of step back a bit and think like, okay, we, 
we know all the stuff about them that could, you know, can be like their their backstory and stuff like that. But we still have to figure out, like, okay, how do they function as characters? Wh- what is their arc going to be? What are their like defining characteristics? Uh, what's their motivation and all of that? And and it is in a weird way kind of writing like fan fiction about like my friends. Uh, it's. It's it's a very strange thing, and uh, and it, it's it's not lost on me what a what a weird exercise this is. But uh, but w- but we took it extremely seriously for something that is to be really clear, uh, objectively incredibly silly. This is I, we haven't even mentioned it yet in this episode, but this is a movie about an evil coconut. So this is yeah, this is a uh, it's a silly project that we made. Well, what's amazing about the silliness is that um, I feel like in so many ways, whether intentionally or unintentionally, it kind of runs in tandem in a contrast to like, I feel like what we're so um, used to seeing in terms of people and projects taking themselves so seriously that, um, you know, like, I'm, this is the part of the show where I'm gonna uh, do my favorite thing and shower you with compliments, particularly like, <laughs> particularly two big ones. Um, the first one is one that I can't take credit for. I wish I could. But um, the presenter at your screening uh, said this, and it, I feel it's very true. The movie does feel like a highbrow episode of The Simpsons in some ways. Highbrow? <laughs> yeah, like more highbrow. Like in terms of more, because I mean, let's be honest, there's some Simpsons episodes where you're like, oh, you guys didn't put any effort in the writing. But like, with your film, this up. Well, okay. For me, The Simpsons is my favorite show of all time. Any comparison to The Simpsons is like the highest possible compliment I could ever receive. I will say, there's always the caveat when you you bring up The Simpsons, which is for me, it's the first eight seasons, and uh, and that's like, and, uh, especially seasons three to yeah, seven. Exactly. I think I, I think eight is the last perfect season. Nine has plenty of good episodes, but that is for me where the cracks appear. Um, and so, but like, you know, those first eight seasons, I'm like, oh, the, 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 there is not a dud among them. Like, uh, there's, there, there's all, like, that's the thing where I'm, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know if this is any more highbrow than like, you know, vintage Simpsons episodes. Like that is, that is sort of just like what we're shooting for. Not, not to just like, not that we're just trying to make a clone of the Simpsons, but like that, because, you know, like, but that like level of 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 humor and like interplay of highbrow jokes and lowbrow jokes and uh, and you know uh, reference points from like everything from just like current TV to classic literature to all sorts of stuff like that. That is it's so for especially for uh, like the writers and I like so baked into our DNA that that. Because like from just like obsessively watching it from such an early age, we're just like, we, we yeah, that's just like we're just we're just constantly being like, ah, oh, if we could if we could just like write a gag that was would be worthy of being considered for like a vintage era Simpsons episode. That's that's what what we aim for. Anyway, I just totally cut you off, but uh, thank you so much for making the comparison. No, it's okay. I'd like to add in reference of that, like where it really um pinpoints to me is it. It definitely is congruent with everything you said, but also the element of how something that makes The Simpsons so unique is the pivots where you're watching, you could watch an episode or something wildly absurd is happening for 20 straight minutes. And then there'll be a moment that reminds you that at the core, you're watching like a show about a family. 
and there's like a motive a motive element that ends up you know kind of coalescing to everything so i feel like the movie has that as well for like as absurd as it could be at its best moments there's also an an undercurrent of emotion that pops its head up all throughout thank you thank you i that i'm i'm really happy to hear you say that because yeah it is you know it, it for something that is again like i've said extremely silly a thing that i was concerned that like that was a real priority for me is that even though we want like the you know relentless gags and silly things and this is like i mean it's it's the kind of thing where someone where characters can just pull a giant case of wine out of thin air as if it was like in their pocket or something like the the reality of this is very it, like it kind of goes by like cartoon logic uh in a lot of ways um uh you know there there's like the disguise mode scene, scene with the mustaches and all of that it's it's very silly but i'm like but even as much as it's going to have all of those things it's still it has to make emotional sense like these characters uh have to have arcs they have to like like it, it can be silly for the audience but but for the characters this has to be like the this has to be extremely serious stuff so like it like it still has to have like themes and core ideas and 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 function it still has to function dramatically as if like if you strip away all the silly jokes and i don't know you replace the coconut with just like a a, a more classic like you know human supervillain or whatever uh that it still functions as a story uh it's it's still it's still about stuff the characters still have like emotional journeys there are still relationships between characters and um and yeah and 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 that's uh that to me was a priority and then of course finding a way to be like okay how like but we the, but we don't want to run into the thing where suddenly it stops being funny and the audience is like oh oh this is now I feel weird because it's like it's like too serious all of a sudden. Like it has to be a thing where, uh, and I I don't want to just spoil stuff from like the climactic scenes, but but even when, like characters are having, what are for them very serious moments, uh, or there is like high drama in the world of the story, it's still like the, the context for it still has to be funny. Like the audience still has to be laughing at the same time that the, that they're you know thinking a little bit like oh this is maybe a, maybe a little a, a little more sincere and emotional than I thought but also you know it's this sincere emotional scene uh, but the characters are you know are 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 yelling about the uh, the HBO show Entourage and so like. It, it it's this kind of weird balance that I I was like really like that because like you know one thing I should say is uh, uh while I directed the movie and I have a story credit on it uh the actual screenplay was written by Michael Curran and Jake Torpy and so I, when I would like be giving them notes and telling them like like you know slight adjustments to make I, these are the things that that were like huge priorities for me like it has to, it has to be funny and silly and have all the gags but also we can't lose sight of you know of like the the drama and emotional arc of the thing yeah and, and i feel i generally feel like you've uh, succeeded with that and um 
I mentioned there were two compliments. So the second compliment I want to pay oh, is... Oh, I thought, I, I thought those were the two. Okay, great. Keep going. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, like, the second compliment is particularly a big one. And um, I, I know from having talked to people over the years that doing something like this where you've predominantly operated in a particular space, such as YouTube, and having to step outside of it, even if it's something that you want to do, it's something that could feel very daunting. And I have to say this, like, hand on heart, this film doesn't feel like something a YouTuber would make, and it didn't feel like a fan film in terms of quality. Like, in many ways, respectfully uh, speaking, and I'm so happy I got to tell this to you now, your film feels like a real movie. Thank you so much. I bring that up to say this. Tell me, how important was that for you, that it felt that way? Uh, it was... It, became... it was important at the beginning, and it became increasingly important as it went on, because... Remember, like I said earlier, this was supposed to be a like 30-minute short that would come out because it's a feature-length movie, uh, but it's also a season finale to this, you know, long storyline on the YouTube channel. And so, and originally the audience was only supposed to have to wait a month or two after the previous video to get this. And so so de- definitely like going into the production you know, I, I was like, okay, we want to make the seal bigger and and more like a and and just like more like a movie. And so right away, I was like, okay, we need to we need to shoot this on a different camera. We're we, we're going to get a cinema camera to shoot it on. We're going to shoot it in a different aspect ratio. It's going to be in cinema scope. Just 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 these these little kind of like textural things that will communicate to the just because of the way that we you know just like lifetimes of watching movies kind of subconsciously condition us to, to to just read certain things as like, oh, cinematic, or oh, this is what a movie looks like. Uh, for more on this, watch the video I made last year about exploring what the word cinematic means. Uh, there's some shameless self-promotion. <laughs> but, uh, but that was intentional from the beginning. I'm just, I'm just like, for the finale, it would be cool if it just felt bigger and 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 more like what we we collectively think of as a movie and then as it took longer and longer and longer to make it became more of a priority for me not that i started like making a bunch of changes but it was just something that i was thinking about more actively just in the sense of okay the longer we're making people wait for this the more I, I really want to make sure it doesn't just feel like another YouTube video. Like some, like, it has to be worth the wait. It has to feel special. It has to feel like, oh, yeah, we didn't just, like, drag our feet and we, we weren't just being lazy and uh, and just throwing together some, just, just like another video. This is, like... This took so long because we're really trying to make something that that functions like like a proper movie, and uh, and so and also just you know being given the opportunity to uh, to just you know to actually like like make this kind of thing. Uh, I really wanted to like put everything I could into it. And to be clear, you know b- because we had a a this is a micro budget film, and there were scenes that we had to shoot where we just straight up had no crew, where I have to act in the scene, and I would set up the camera and set up the microphone on a stand and press record and then go run in front of the camera and sit down. And so 
you know, and, and, and these, these are things I was nervous about while I was shooting it because, you know, I would love to have, like, every scene be these, like, complex dolly shots and uh, with these long takes and everything uh, that, that are, like, really, like, elaborately storyboarded and, uh, and feel, like, really cinematic. And, but then to just because of, just purely out of necessity and the way we were working and the limited resources we had, you know, we just had to shoot certain scenes with static shots and, like, kind of classic coverage because that's just, you, you just got to get it done, and that's how we had to get it done. And so sometimes shooting those scenes, I was like, oh, no, is, it, is this going to feel, like, like cheaper or, or, or just, like, you know, is this not going to feel, like, as, as big and special as we'd like it to? Um, but, the, and then, the, you know, there were also just things that I would, and, and so I, I try to make up for that because, uh, like, like in ways such as, uh, like, okay, you know, we're going to make a point of trying to frame shots wider and not rely on close-ups too much, just show, show more space and ha have more scale to the imagery. And yeah, um, I mean, I could ramble about this for a long time, but it was, it was a very conscious effort uh to make it feel just you know just like a movie uh, like a much more like a movie than the videos usually do and this also just extended to like like what would be scenes in the movie and so like if you look at uh, the movie begins with a sort of five minute prologue that is labeled prologue and that was, I mean, I knew narratively we needed to have, it's like a flashback, uh, the opening five minutes. And I knew narratively we needed to have that sequence there. But the way it was designed uh, from like a filmmaking standpoint was also, was kind of meant to signal to the audience, especially the way that when the opening title sequence begins with like this, this long tracking shot and then the way uh, the, the song playing over it comes in and the way like the opening titles come in. A lot of Mission Impossible vibes there, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but that was very much designed at, um, in a way to signal to the, to the audience like, okay, wait, this, is, this, is, this is more of a movie than you might be expecting. Like, like we're, uh, there's some scale to this. Like, like, right away in the opening five minutes, you know, we've got, like, planes flying people, to, like, like, to Mexico and stuff like that, and uh, over this animated title sequence. So I, I really wanted to kind of, like, come out strong and, and signal to everyone that, like, okay, this is... This will be worth the wait. We have really put, uh like put everything into this and are trying to make this like a real a, a, just like you know like a real movie experience and and it's going to be feel bigger than you might expect it to yeah and i mean yeah i really do feel you succeeded in that and you know we did talk about your friends a bit but i want to talk about a specific one because i think something that's really um important to point out with this experience is that it's kind of incredible that you have this YouTube channel, you have uh, this name that you've built in re regards to that, you have this film that is essentially your directorial debut, but you're really not the lead of the film. And I was really stuck how objectively Chloe is the lead. And so much of the film depends on her carrying so much weight in the scenes. And while I was watching the movie, it was obvious. Like, to me, the overall approach of that was somewhat obvious, but I imagine it might not have been while writing and crafting the film, or would I even be wrong in thinking that? 
Oh, no, that was, that was very deliberate. I mean, so one thing that I'll just, you know, I can say just straight up is uh, acting is not something that I particularly enjoy or have ever had any interest in. I mean, like, honestly, like the first six years of the channel, uh, we had all these years of this channel called Patrick H. Willems, and I barely appear in the videos. I'm just like behind the camera all the time. I have never wanted to act at all. And so, yeah, if you, if you look at the videos for, for the first six years, you would think like, oh, oh yeah, uh, Matt and Chloe are like the stars of this channel because they would just, you know, be in, in, in everything. And, and then it just purely out of necessity, just where, oh, when I started making video essays and, you know, videos like analyzing movies, uh, it just obviously, I, I am the host. I, I narrate them. I appear on camera. Uh, so where I'm going with this is that on the one hand, um, I have always seized any opportunity to uh, write myself out of a scene and just be able to be behind the camera and let my more talented friends do the acting. But also the way the season is designed, uh, my character, uh, for like a year and a half of the videos, despite being the host of the, of the thing and the one on camera the most, I'm kind of a villain. I'm not the protagonist. The protagonists are, are my friends who are wondering, what the hell is up with Patrick and why is he being uh, such like a weird asshole? And so... So obviously, uh, so, so like, when we get to the movie, finally, it just, it, you know, naturally, I wouldn't be the lead because I'm, like, an antagonist. Uh, and and our, our protagonists are, you know, these, these other characters. And then what, what's still amazing to me is that the way it ended up with, like, Chloe is first billed uh, in the credits of the movie. She has the most screen time of anyone because she plays two characters, two versions of herself. So she's in nearly every scene. And Chloe wasn't introduced into the season until pretty, pretty far in. She didn't show up until, I believe, um, other than like one little guest appearance in the summer of 2020 uh, during when we were doing, when the the show kind of turned into like a, a late night talk show during quarantine. Um, she didn't join the cast until, yeah, November 2020. And that, and that entirely happened because Matt and Jake, the two Torpies, who are, who are brothers, were kind of our protagonists. Matt was my roommate at the time. And uh, they, they were like our lead characters. And then Matt finally just got fed up with New York City you know, during the pandemic and just being stuck in our, our little apartment and, uh, and moved away. And so that meant that, you know, he had to leave the show. And so we, we wrote it in and, uh, and created a, like, a narrative reason for him to leave the show. But then once he did, we realized, like, okay, Jake can't just talk to himself in every episode and go, what's up with Patrick? Hmm, this is very strange. Like, we, we knew we needed to like to fill the uh, match role and like have another cast member and Chloe was just the obvious person uh, because it's like oh great yeah uh, we've been working with her for years she's a good friend uh, she's very she's talented she can act she can she's a professional singer she can do all these things she's funny 
Uh, you know, she's also not just another, another like pasty white dude who like looks like us. Uh, so it's nice to like diversify a little bit. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so Chloe was the natural person to bring in. And then as, as we're going from there, we then introduce another version of Chloe because the whole idea of having this kind of like, uh, multiversal, like, law enforcement officer uh, who's been, like, appearing as a mysterious figure for a while. That was always... That was a plan we had since early on, but originally it was going to be a different character. And then we decided, oh, no, it just ma- it makes more sense to have Chloe do it. She'll just be better at it. And so suddenly things escalated to the point where, like, the if you look at the movie poster uh, for Night of the Coconut, which I realize I haven't said the name of the movie until now, so... Great. Let me say, let me say it right there. Um, if you look at the movie poster for *Night of the Coconut*, the biggest like face on the poster is Chloe as a character who doesn't really show up until like the second to last episode of the season. Uh, but it just um, it it felt so natural to just make kind of like I guess have her be well. Okay. Her and Matt are, like, really the protagonist. She has the most screen time because she plays two characters. And so, and it, it, it just really made the most sense. And then especially being able to, like, build in a bit more of her backstory where, uh, you know, because this is all about, you know, Charlie, evil coconut. And, uh, and obviously Matt has his beef with Charles, but, but we were able to, like, build out Chloe's backstory. So it's like, oh, no, she... She's really been, you know, been trying to stop him for years and has, has like, personal stakes in this. So, yeah, it just, look, it was such a no-brainer to just give my, my friends that are way more talented performers than me uh, the most screen time and just, like, let them carry it. And, uh, and, and I gotta say, I am really grateful for how things kind of shook out in terms of Strangely, like, us having to adapt to various unforeseen real-world events and then find creative solutions to them ended up giving us a much stronger final product. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I should mention that the title of the film will be part of, like, the intro and probably the title of the episode, so don't worry. But, um, you know, jumping off you saying that just there... um, was there a moment where you had to kind of talk Chloe into being the lead for this or, or one of the leads? Because I asked because with the way you do your videos, as we've been discussing, you've very much been the focus and have been for years. I imagine for her taking this on caused like maybe to, it probably caused her to have different considerations because it's just a different type of thing for her. It is. It's I will say I'm I'm very lucky because this group of this group of collaborators we've been working together for so long that it's usually like it, it, it's a pretty simple just kind of like text or me being like yeah hey we're uh, we're making this thing you want to you want to be in it uh, we, we got a fun role and they just go yeah sure cool uh, sounds good so yeah i i i've got to go back and uh, and find my original text to chloe from like yeah, like a fall 2020 when I first said like, "Hey, can you uh can you, would you be down for like joining the show as a as a new cast member? It'll be it'll probably be like, you know, we'll shoot a couple scenes every few weeks." 
And of course, that escalates to the point where it's like, hey, uh, can you spend four months uh, shooting a, a feature film? And so I'm trying to think back to, to uh, the initial conversations about, about this, about the movie specifically. And honestly, I, the, the person I was, I was more nervous about, uh, about making sure they were on board for it was Matt. And that's just because since Matt had moved out of the city and wasn't like, you know, in the show anymore, he hadn't been like doing this regularly for a while. And so even though we'd always planned that he would return in the season finale and he won't mind me saying this, um, Matt is bad at replying to texts or keeping in touch with people and all of those things. And so he would be on like a group chat uh, with like Jake and Mike and me. And we'd be talking about this and talking about this, and Matt just wouldn't really, he'd like barely reply for months. And then it kind of got to the point as we were getting closer to making the movie, and I had, I was like, oh, wait, I don't know if I've actually gotten like a confirmation from Matt that he's on board. And I remember texting him, just being like kind of nervously, just being like, hey, uh, just to check, um, you're cool to do the movie, right? Because uh, you're kind of uh, one of the lead characters, and the whole thing kind of like, the emotional spine of it kind of rests on you, and so we really so please please uh, don't back out of this. And then he was just like, "Yeah, Dad, I'm totally in." So thank thank basically. Uh, so I but I, I I just I got nervous there because he just hadn't been replying to much for a while, um, which is not the thing you have to learn about Matt Torpy is that is not showing a like lack of interest or anything. It is just, I don't know. It's just him probably looking at the text going like nodding to himself and then putting his phone down and forgetting to like get back to people. So yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and with Chloe, I, I'm trying, I mean, obviously she did not anticipate the scale of, of this, of this project did not anticipate it taking as long to make as it did. But yeah, I, um, from what I remember, uh, you know, we told her as, as you know, the, the season's going on, like, okay, and we're going to have, like, this, this little movie at the end. And, um, you know, we were all having fun. Uh, you know, I, I know she, she was down for it. It's just that it, we had to work around her other, like, professional responsibilities and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, um, I think, I, I, again, look... Some of these guys might listen to this episode and be and tell me I'm wrong, but my perception of it is that we all have fun working together and making these things. And so, I mean, there are way worse ways to spend your free time. Yeah, I think I think we all were just happy to have this opportunity to do it, to get to, you know, to get more resources to to make a thing and keep working together and spend a lot of time together and try to make something that we're proud of. Well, I'm more than sure. I mean, I don't know them, but I'm more than sure they'd agree with that. Cause I mean, how else I always think about it in terms of creative endeavors where, um, if you think about even when you're doing them for free, like in those early days, it's like the alternative is arguably just staying home and watching TV or like, you know, doing something kind of arguably mundane. So it's like, you either have the opportunity to pursue something or just hang out with your friends in the process or just sitting at home watching TV. And it's kind of like, you know, it's like no contest in that sense. 
Exactly. You know, uh, so so me saying like, hey, can I pay you guys to come down to the Virgin Islands with me to to shoot a movie? You know, it's a thing that everyone thankfully said yes to because, you know, that trip down there did end up being maybe, you know, the most stressful few days that I had in 2021. But uh, I mean, <laughs> going to the Virgin Islands was the most stressful. Ken. Well, I mean, once you were w- there, I uh, we did not have a lot of time there and had to get a lot done. Have you ever driven around St. Thomas? I haven't, but I've heard stories. Was this also one of those situations where uh, you went where the sun where the sun exposure was quite minimal? Or no, it it wasn't a sun issue. It was that that all worked out okay. I yeah, generally okay. But it it was a thing where because we had to shoot some like key scenes in the movie down there and we didn't we our budget was only like really only covered uh four of us staying there for three nights and so we had to do a lot of location scouting in terms of like driving around as in like finding places online uh then driving all over the island to scout them and see if they would work and uh and then shooting a lot of scenes around sunset where the sun is setting rapidly and we have a limited window of time where things look good and we, can, and, uh, we have enough light to shoot this. And, um, but then just things like, you know, I didn't know until I got there that the situation with... So you know how, like, in the UK, uh, they drive on the left side of the road, but the, the steering wheels are also on the opposite side of the... So are, are on the right side of the car. So everything is just flipped over. I didn't know that in the Virgin Islands, uh, they drive on the left side of the road, like in the UK, but with American cars. Oh, shit. So, yeah, so I pick up the rental car and suddenly realize, like, oh, wait, okay, this is, like, breaking my brain now because it's, like, an American car, but I'm driving on the wrong side of the road. And so, like, I'm, like, hugging the inside line. <laughs> not Like, it, it's, like, it all feels wrong. And the, the whole island... Is just these really windy roads, just like through all of these hills, and so with all of these intersections that where, where you're just like kind of like t- making a right turn, teetering over a like a steep hill where you can't see over the edge, and then suddenly you like you make the turn because you're like I, apparently there's a road here, and then you f- you hear like the undercarriage of the car just slam on the ground because the asphalt just stops, and you just like land on this, like, rocky dirt road, and you're just like, oh, God, I've, I've broken my rental car. And so it was just that, like, the whole time. Like, the, uh, the people... I did all the driving. Chloe and, and Mike sitting in the back seat were basically car sick. The, I mean, they weren't, like, throwing up or anything, but they were just, like, nauseous the whole time just dealing with the roads there. And, um, and, th- and then we had, you know... We're, like... We'd find these great locations, but then we'd have to, like hike through jungles to get to them. And so it was just, I don't, I won't get into spoilers here, but to get to some locations that are in the movie, we had to hike through jungles uh, uh, to get there, hauling a lot of expensive gear, praying that nothing bad happens. And then... (laughs) You know, we set up this really essential drone shot that I've had planned out for a year, and suddenly 
uh, the drone won't fly because on that side of the island, in, in, we happen to be in a small area of the island with a GPS lock uh, that will not allow the drone to like lift off the ground, despite the fact that this drone has literally, you know, like you you can you, it will fly illegally in the airspace of J of JFK Airport, but yet <laughs> on this small area on the north side of St. Thomas, it will not fly there. I have my theory. Uh, my my theory about this is that um, clo- very close by to where we were trying to shoot, well, we did shoot. There was this big mansion on a cliff with like these huge iron gates to like get into the driveway. And um, my theory is that a drug lord lives in that mansion and has it GPS locked so that uh, <laughs> people can't spy on him. That's my theory. Uh, but then suddenly, like, I'm there, like, having a meltdown on the, on, on the beach. I'm just like, I had this shot planned out for a year. I'm watching my light disappear over the horizon. I don't know what to do. And we hiked through a jungle to get here. <laughs> and we can't come back because it's our last night down here. And I've been having, like, a panic attack every time I try to drive around the island for days. Um, so the, here's the thing. We got it all done. We found solutions to everything. Did I just do a separate trip by myself to Bermuda in August last year to just get some pickup shots and get that drone shot that we couldn't get in the Virgin Islands? Yes. Uh, so Bermuda is amazing, though. I oh, Bermuda I, was fantastic. I went two years ago. It's amazing. It's, it's so great. Uh, that was also, you know, uh, not a very relaxing trip because, once again, I had to spend most of my time driving all over the island. Uh, scouting locations and then shooting scenes at sunset. So got it all done, but but it was pretty funny to go to beautiful locations and then be really stressed out having to get try to get so much done uh, in such a limited window of time. So yeah, you know, making movies. It's a uh, it's even even when you have more resources than usual. And, and suddenly more time, and it all feels like, oh, great, now it's going to be easy now. It's not, it's not easy. What, like, I was mentioning earlier about, like, you know, taking things in and dissecting them in real time, and, you know, only able to do that. And you mentioned this, what I'm about to bring up, you mentioned this, about how if you were to pull everything back, you would have to be able to have the emotional core there. And when I think back to watching the film in real time and realizing what the overall theme is, like, I, I, this kind of ties back to something I heard someone say years ago. Like, one of the best things that you could do with a story is if you could distill it into a simple sentence, arguably. And it's an exercise that I like to do, and I feel like with your film, without giving anything away, it's essentially about rediscovering the importance of friendship in the face of a society that demands you to be selfish. And I wonder if that's something that speaks to you, and also, when do you feel that theme became apparent? If at all. Okay, first of all, I will say uh, you are 100% correct. That is exactly, <laughs> that is exactly uh, what I intended the core idea uh, of the movie to be. You could steal it for the DVD box set if you'd like. Yes, uh, maybe I will. Um, <laughs> and so in terms of when that became a... Actually, I can... So... Uh, We've been making this video, as, as much as I'm, like, taking, like, a month off to relax, a couple, like, a, a week or so ago, we, we shot this video just about how we 
made the whole season and like how how would the plan uh originated how it evolved over time just how we how we ad- adapted uh to you know unforeseen real life uh o- obstacles and all of that just how we put it all together and and so i was going back through all of these emails with myself and and the writing team over the past 2 years to see how things evolved and i did i i managed to pinpoint where like the core theme kind of became apparent it was in early like maybe maybe like march or april 2021 but uh, i mentioned in an email there that it was while while we were working on the last video of 2020 which was a video about the movie the greatest showman the topic doesn't really have anything any, any relevance to this but that was the video and there's a scene near the end of the video when Jake, uh, Jake who later on dies in the season, uh, Jake and Chloe are talking about how, like, uh, how how I as in like Patrick, uh, seem to be like like changing and we're we're drifting apart and uh, and how like you know sometimes just you know especially like as 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 we become adults like. You know, friends have different priorities in life, and sometimes they just kind of like their lives go in different directions. And I kind of realized there, even though we're just writing a scene that like, oh, yeah, it just feels natural for these characters to, to talk about. I'm realizing like, oh, wait, that's kind of what this whole thing is about. This, this is really uh, just th- this whole like season long storyline. It took me almost a year to realize it. But this really is at, like, at its core about friendships and like and yeah you know trying like you know holding on to uh friendships you know while adult careers do you know often often push us to uh you know to to, to focus on ourselves and uh you know to prioritize like you know selfishness and and, and all of that and um I realized like okay that's what this is about and so when we get to the movie like the finale um, I'm a big proponent of the, the uh, like the, the writing principle of, and this is something that, you know, Robert McKee talks about it in the book Story. It's a thing that he he mentions like, Patty Chayefsky used to do uh, when he'd write screenplays. He'd like figure out the the core idea, like the one sentence idea of 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 the movie and like write it on a post-it note and stick it on his typewriter. Um Sidney Lumet in his book Making Movies talks about how he would do it with every movie he'd make. But basically trying to like when you're writing and like making the movie, try to boil it down to like in terms of like the idea that you're trying to communicate, like what it's really about to like you said, one sentence and have that be kind of like your like your no- your north star, like your guiding principle for the whole writing process like that that helps you of like the trillions of choices and decisions you have to make while making a movie um that kind of guides all of your choices you want everything to feed back into this central idea and so when i would be working with the writers i I would be telling them like guys this this is what it's about like this is all all the stuff that's going to happen in here Use this as a, like like to guide you along the way. It all it all like we have to end up like reinforcing this main idea, and and obviously this is you know this idea about you know you know uh you know 
the, the power of friendship and, and all of that. There is like the, you know, the sort of like personal metatextual element to it where it's like, this is, we're making a movie about, like, that, that is basically about friendship and trying to like, you know, hold on to these like friendships that are like important to us while making a movie with many of my oldest friends that is also literally about ourselves being friends. Uh, it is, yeah, it's all, it, it, it's, it's very funny that it kind of ends up in this way. So, I, I, yeah, you could say that this basically is, is a movie <laughs> about how I like my friends. Um, and I'm really, I'm, I'm really grateful <laughs> to have them in my life. But, uh, but, yeah, it does all kind of, like, feed into each other. And there is definitely that, like, for something as silly as it is, there is definitely you know, overlap between what's happening on screen and, you know, the the off-screen, like, personal side of it as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to know I was, like, quite on the money on that. Um, you know, I think it's important to state, and again, this will be in the intro, but we can bring it up now, is that people who are listening who are jealous of us talking about this film, uh, they can go stream it over at Nebula, a streaming platform that you've created with other creators that you admire. You mention it in your videos all the time, but It'd be nice to hear you talk about it here. What is Nebula and why did you want to make it? So Nebula started as, as this idea a few years ago. Uh, so um, for, for my YouTube work, uh, just like for the videos I'm, I make online, um, I'm, I'm represented by this, uh, this uh, like talent management agency called Standard that just represents not just like, well, it represents YouTube creators, but specifically ones in the sort of, like, educational-ish realm. People who make video essays, whether it's about, like, science, or philosophy, or, or, or film and television, or music, all of these things. Um, so, but, like, there are no, like, vloggers, or, 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 or you know... Uh, I, I, I don't know, like, basically, like, everything is, like, kind of, like, like, like I, I think the, the, uh, the, the slogan is, like, like, thoughtful videos. And so, so, uh, and so Dave Wiskus, who, uh, play, is the CEO of Standard and Nebula, and also plays Dave the Agent in the movie and in my videos, uh, many people have thought that he is an actor that I hired. No, he's actually my agent. <laughs> Um, playing himself like everyone is. And so, uh, he had this idea about starting a streaming platform, uh, that, um, you know, for, kind of like built by the creators that the agency, uh, that, well, that, that standard represents. And the intent of it has never been to replace YouTube because that's impossible. Nothing will replace YouTube. Uh, it is, it is just... It is a constant. It is. It is. It will always be the place that that the vast majority of human beings watch videos on the internet, and and so. But the, the point of Nebula is kind of to create. It, it's like in the way that a lot of creators will have a Patreon, where it's like, okay, if you're a fan and you want like the premium experience with like the bonus material and exclusive stuff, and just to get more of it, and to also support the people you're a fan of. You can sign up for the Patreon and just, you know, get extra stuff. And so Nebula is kind of functions in a similar way, where it's, uh, it's this curated streaming service. There are, like, 
even though our videos that are on YouTube are also on Nebula, there are no ads. There are no, like, the sponsor ad reads are not the Nebula versions. There are no pre-roll commercials that play on the videos. And also there are no, there's no comment section. There's no likes. It is, it is much closer to Netflix than to YouTube. And so the idea with that is, is to basically give you a, like a purer experience for watching the regular videos. Like you don't have to watch the commercials. You don't have to sit through the ad read. You don't have to deal with the nightmare that is the comment section. But also, the idea would be that Nebula would would offer all would give these creators opportunities to uh, to make like exclusive original projects, uh, ones that like. And I apologize if it sounds like I'm just going into one of my ad reads in my videos now. But I'm, I'm like I I mean this all sincerely. Where you know, there are certain projects that I, like, like some people have made, uh, you know, documentary projects that deal, for instance, um, if you want, uh, on YouTube, YouTube will automatically demonetize any video that has just, like, documentary footage of wars in it. Not even, like, graphic content. Just, like, if you have, like, footage of just, like, like, just, like, news footage of wars will get demonetized. And so the video will not make money, and then if it's demonetized, the algorithm will not promote it. And so people won't watch it. It won't make money. It's, it's, just, like, it's just like a losing effort. And so Nebula uh, is there for projects like that. Like, uh, like the channel Real Engineering has been making a, project, uh, a, a documentary series about the Battle of Britain, the kind of thing that would have just like flopped and lost money on YouTube. But on Nebula, they get a budget to make it. They get they get uh, like production resources. Like uh, at this point, Standard and Nebula have uh, this whole like in-house production team with editors and animators and sound mixers and uh, and and like all like uh, like VFX artists. All of these people to help make these projects. And um and then on Nebula, it will be like you know right up on the front page, like like promoted properly. You know, uh, this movie uh, would have just lost a ton of money if I'd released it on on YouTube. You know, YouTube does not like feature-length narrative films. And so Nebula's there for projects like that. So we can kind of, so we can, like, stretch our, like, uh, our creative muscles and grow and experiment and try more ambitious things. YouTube, YouTube basically wants everyone to just make the 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 one kind of video that is successful just over and over and over again for years and nebula is there for when we want to do different things or go outside of like the core thing that we do on youtube and um and so that's really yes so that so the point of like of like why you should sign up other than to watch night of the coconut uh the 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 first the the first narrative film project on on nebula but it's but in terms of why to sign up, it's like the roster of creators is so good. Uh, it, there's, there's a very good chance that whoever you are listening probably watch several of these channels pretty regularly. And this is a place where all those creators are, and they're also uh, just, they're, they're just making more exciting, exclusive stuff. And, uh, and, and there's, like, more and more happening all the time. Uh, we recently launched Nebula Classes, which is kind of like our version of 
like masterclass uh, where it's where it's these creators basically making like hour long courses about you know teaching you how to do different things. I am currently writing one that I will be shooting next month. Uh, and so we've got a lot happening there, and uh, we're we're building this like nice, fun little corner of the internet where we get to you know make the kind of projects that that we've always wanted to, but until now, just probably didn't have the opportunity. So there you go, Nebula. That's a that's a very very long answer, but I hope I I I covered everything. You you absolutely did, and um and you know launching off that um I I'm pretty sure one of the creators on there is someone who I mean I should be mentioning that in the context of the movie there's a scene where there's uh cameos from a bunch of YouTubers and I have to say I did cheer a bit when I saw um Legal Eagle um yes. I love that guy and he's great I think you guys are friends right Yeah uh actually uh here, here's a fun bit of behind the scenes trivia uh Devin from Legal Eagle. He was the camera operator on the very, on the opening scene of the first episode of the season back in January 2020. If you go back there and you see the footage of me, like, washing up onto the shore of a beach on a deserted island, uh, Devin shot that. Oh, wow. And you guys are in Mexico, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. We were um, uh, usually, uh, at, at least in, like, you know, this happened... Uh, every every year pre pandemic, um, a lot of uh, uh, standard our agency, the the employees and like a lot of us creators would just kind of all go on a retreat together for a week just to kind of you know relax and uh, and like recharge and hang out because we rarely get to see each other in person, and um and that was where it was on that trip that I figured out the uh, the, the main idea for the whole season and started shooting some footage for it and. Uh, and yeah, I, I had helped uh, Devin shoot one of his videos, um, the, the, legal, the legal legal video about um, where he, he does a legal analysis of the, uh, the Shaggy song, It Wasn't Me. Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I pitched that idea to him as a joke. I was like, you should do a video about this. And then he said, okay, I will. And, um, and so yeah, I helped him shoot that, and then he helped me shoot uh the opening scene of me washing up on the shore of the beach so yeah of 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 course you know he of course he he was gonna you know be in the finale we had to get him in there yeah i i haven't met him yet but he does strike me as one of those he just strikes me as a very genuine person he's like, great he, he's he's a really great guy yeah and and i also loved how uh dr mike had a bit of a role in this film and i i i bring these two up specifically because i think what's interesting with them as creators are like I feel like they're changing the game a bit because if you were to like say maybe five or ten years ago, there'd be a doctor and or lawyer on YouTube who had like a creative spin on how to explain what they do. Most people probably scoff at you, but I feel like their videos are great as well. Yeah, and uh, they, 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 I mean, <laughs> they also have to think of like, okay, th- there are these like handsome chiseled jaw men do as like a doctor and a lawyer. They're, they're both like very photogenic and, uh, and yeah. And, uh, it's funny, like the Dr. Mike cameo happened. He's actually, uh, like Dr. Mike is not actually like professionally, uh, involved with us. He's not on, on Nebula. Uh, he and Dave just became friends and uh and so yeah and so that was just the thing where we're just, i think dave was just like wouldn't it be funny if uh 
if like Charles got like a checkup by Dr. Mike and I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And then he, and he was totally game for it. We shot it at his apartment. Oh my God. He looked like he was having the time of his life with that one. It, it, it was funny because we wrote the script for it, uh, for this scene. And we wrote like weird stuff. You know, he, he gets like his hand like burned off by like the <laughs> coconut and stuff of like that. And we're going to this being like, he, this is like a, you know, he's this is like a big guy. He's got like, you know, he's got a huge audience. He probably like, he's probably going to have some things that he needs to change in the scripts just like to fit his like, you know, public image better and everything. So I was all prepared to like make concessions and like, uh, see what uh, what we'd have to change, and uh, we changed nothing. Uh, he was <laughs> he, he was just he was down for whatever. Uh, we handed him the script. Uh, he he crushed it. Um, yeah, I uh, I did feel kind of bad because we have we have the shot where his like hand is like covered in like bandages with like all this blood on it, and um, some of the blood the fake blood some of the fake blood did seep through and like like stain his hand a little bit but so might have taken him like a couple days to like get that to wash out because that's how fake blood is but uh but no uh mike, mike was uh a really good sport and i'm i'm, I'm <laughs> i that was really fun to shoot i mean i i say this respectfully i think out of all the things he's had on his hands as a doctor the fake blood was probably totally okay i think you're right i think you're right about that <laughs> So um, lastly, I have a very uh, big question for you. Uh, it's probably one, I'll be honest, it's probably one that you can't even answer yet, but I'd love to attempt it with you because this film was a colossal undertaking. I think anyone who's listened could tell just by the virtue of everything we've been discussing. But, you know, in turn, it's by the very virtue of it, it's become a very big learning experience. So I wonder, what are some lessons you feel you've learned from this experience that you think you'll be taking on to other projects? and Maybe not even just that, but your life in general. Like, you know, doing something like this, you know, you know how I talk to musicians all the time. I always like framing albums and tours as things that change you. And I, I imagine the film changed you in some way. It, yeah, it, it probably did. It's, uh, it's still... It hasn't been finished for that long, so it doesn't feel like I've, I've like, you know, put aside that chapter of my life yet. I will say, so in terms of what I've learned... Um, the, I have, the really boring answer is, uh, just, um, I learned important lessons about organizing the shooting schedule and the value of making really detailed spreadsheets, uh, as in, like, how to turn the script into, uh, a detailed spreadsheet to, uh, to just, you know, try to put together a, uh, an, an efficient shooting schedule. Because that was a lifesaver. Uh, I, 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 I brought in uh, my friend Frank as like a production coordinator during production because I was like, I'm falling apart. This, this is like, I, need, I desperately need help because this is such, this is so complicated and so hard to all put together. So yeah, uh, spreadsheets cannot be overstated how helpful they are uh, for a, a film production. Beyond that, I mean, this is... I, I've talked plenty of times before just about the weird way this developed because we had to start shooting without a finished script uh, just because we had to go straight in... Because the videos themselves are such complicated, time-consuming productions, there was no time to be working on the the season finale 
script and like and shooting that while we were still working on the regular videos during the season like we could I only had the schedule to do like I I I only had the time to do one thing at a time and so the final video went like took 2 weeks longer to make than it was supposed to and then we then 10 days later we had to fly down to the Virgin Islands to start shooting and so so yeah so obviously like I this is this is not even a lesson that I learned because obviously I would have ideally liked to have a totally finished locked script before we started production because then I probably would have known the scale of the project and how to like organize the shoot better. Uh so yeah, so that's something that, so that's that's not really a lesson that I learned because I I could have told you that ahead of time and on the next project I uh, I absolutely w- will uh, do it that way, but in terms of like what I'm, I'm t- I'm taking into the next one. I mean, um, if anything, I think because the funny way about making this project was that, uh, again, because we were just like going forward so relentlessly and often without even a fully locked script, and so. We, we never had a time to, like, we, we, we weren't even able to do, like, a, a table read with the whole cast where we all sat down and read through the finished thing and then, like, looked at it and then we're like, okay, now let's make some little adjustments. We basically just had to run into this thing while I had this vague, like, mental image of what the finished product was going to look like and what it would be and, and, and like, what I wanted it to be about and basically just... As we're just, like, you know, putting this all together out of order at, like, as it's going, and I'm just thinking, like, I, th- I, I think this will work, but I'm mostly just kind of following my instincts here, and I really hope this all comes together in, in, in like, in the end in a way that, like, feels cohesive, because there, there was a distinct possibility that the the pacing would end up being like a disaster uh, just because of the weird way it all came together and it wouldn't make a lot of sense and would have all these just like th- these narrative holes and, and, uh, and, and yeah, and, uh, and, and like, you know, character arcs that didn't make sense and stuff like that. And then it ended up actually be, being pretty cohesive and, and like functioning the kind of the way I hoped it would. So if anything, I feel... <laughs> I feel like this kind of confirmed that, like, okay, yeah, uh, my instincts are actually pretty good, and um, and and so like it, it really just kind of increased my confidence for for the next one because now that I've even though this is a very silly movie that is not the easiest movie to like hand to a random person and say watch this uh, because it requires a lot of like this is why we made like a season recap video ahead of time just. Uh, cause yeah, it, it, it's not the most accessible movie, but at the same time, I made a movie that functions as a movie and it like, it's, you know, and it, and it like, I, I think, I think it generally works. And so sometimes it's not like I, I, I've, you know, have this like huge inflated ego now. Um, and I think I'm like hot shit cause I don't, but at the same time, recently, occasionally I have been like like watching like an episode of a TV show or watching a movie and not even ones where I'm like, Oh, this is bad, but just looked at it being like, Oh wait, you know? Yeah, I can do this. Oh yeah. I could, you know, I could probably like, 
like, I could direct this scene. Or, or maybe or a thought I've had a couple times is, I, I think I actually could have directed this scene better. Or, or oh yeah, I, you know, like, I, I, I could, like, co-write something like this. Because, like, look, for as weird a thing as we made it, as it is, like, you know, we did it. We pulled it off, and uh, and I think this skill set can be transferred over to like other other types of movies or TV shows and stuff like that. So really, it has just it has made me just pretty confident that yeah, like it no longer feels like there is this huge like gap between like what I'm doing and then what like real movies are doing. Where I'm just like, okay, wait, no, never mind. Uh, yeah, uh, if if I ever get hired for one of those things, yes, I believe I can do it because I did this and. You know, even my silly thing functions better in some ways than some, you know, movies that cost like five hundred times as much. And so, so yeah, I, <laughs> I, I hope that makes sense and, and and doesn't make me sound like too much of like an egomaniac. Uh, but like, no, no, it doesn't at all. It sounds very real. It does. It's like you, you have you're referencing an actual tangible experience now. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, like I have, I have gone through the process of trying to figure out how to, like, you know, make edits to improve the pacing of a feature-length movie. I have thought about like scene transitions, uh, at, between scenes that happen seventy minutes into a movie. Um, you know, I've thought about setting up and paying off character arcs and like you know, establishing and paying off, like, relationships and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, we did it. Like, you know, and 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 we can do it again. It's like, it's not, uh, exactly, this is an experience I've had that I think, now, now, now I'm just, uh, I'm, 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 I'm losing all, all, all words and forgetting how to speak and form sentences. But, but yeah, um, basically, like, like, th- th- these, like, these skills that, I, that I've, I've learned, oh, yeah, we actually do have, can be used again on other projects. And so it's like, I feel, at least for me, like, the, uh, the, the gap between what I'm doing and, like, the stuff that I watch, uh, like, on my TV um, has, like, closed a little bit. That's beautiful. And, I mean, it, I feel that's earned, honestly. After having experienced it, especially after having lived with it for a while, I feel like you've earned that. And it's no small feat. It really isn't. Thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time today. And, like, man, I'm so... I, you know what? Hand on heart. I mean, because I did follow the videos, so obviously I had a lot going in. But I have to say, I do think it would be possible for someone to just watch the prologue video and go into the film that way. Yeah. I, I, I mean, we definitely try to, like... When I edited the, the like the five minute recap, I was like, okay, just got. I, I, the purpose of this is to underline the key things that are going to be referenced and paid off, and uh, and yeah, it, it's obviously you experienced it in the ideal way, which is watch everything as it's coming out, and so the, and then finally culminating with this. But yeah, it's um, I need to talk to more people who've just kind of gone in blind and watched this to be like, what, what was your experience with it? But it, it's, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. It's because uh, again, we were making this for the existing audience, but then as it, once it became a feature length movie and was going to have a premiere and everything, I did kind of realize like, 
inevitably some people who aren't like existing fans are gonna watch this and what will their experience be let hopefully like let's make it not like completely seem like it's you know in some other language well i feel you've achieved that patrick thanks man of course ken thank you so much for having me yeah anytime Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.